You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, I just realized that there's football today, and so I had started the podcast. We're going to do, we're going to break down the film, and by break down the film, I mean I'm just going to describe the plays to you. Because <laughs> that's apparently my version of it. But I wanted to do that. We got a long week, and I haven't done it in a long time to see how things are going. And a lot of my opinions are formed based on the stuff that I watched. And it was very helpful to me, if for no other reason, um, just so I get a better idea of what's going on. But I wanted to do that. And then I thought, shoot, we got football games coming up, and I should probably talk about those games and the implication and not just completely ignore it. So that's what we're going to do. Um, that may be today and tomorrow, because today we can talk about the what-ifs, and then tomorrow we got the what happened. I don't know. But um, this coming week, for sure, we're going to do the first half, second half thing. And I've got a new grading system that I'm going to try out. Wasn't really trying to grade anything before, just kind of something to keep track, but I think it would be a little bit helpful. But anyways, we're not doing that today. I did get started a little bit. Um Early observations, none really. Uh, the defense right out of the gate is so far worse than we thought. The only real good play that they had, well, they had a couple decent run stops, but um, I, don't, I don't think there's one play where it was like, that was just nice. Like The one really good run stop, uh, Dean Lowry got stiff-armed in the chest and knocked down like a small baby, but it still worked out fine. Uh, but the very first play of the game is like, dude, that was a great play. Quay Walker with a pass, you know, kind of broken up thing. Not really. Jair Alexander got beat right out of the gate. And the only reason that wasn't a massive completion on the first play is because Tannehill's an idiot. And the only reason that the pass against Quay wasn't caught is because he kind of held the guy. And it probably should have been a penalty, but it wasn't. So not a... And then, of course, they still marched down the field and, and scored. So that was about as far as I got. I was I was doing the, the Packers, and then I realized all this, and we're, we're continuing on. So here's what we're going to do. Um, obviously, there's a lot of options today. There's a lot of football games going on. Um, there's a lot of different ways to handle this. Let's start with what is and try to branch out in hopefully some kind of a comprehensive way that makes sense for everybody. Because ultimately, we want to bring this back to uh, the Packers and um, how this does or doesn't impact us. Again, the complication is depending on what you want to happen. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about playoff odds, but we're also talking about uh, draft order at the same time. But let's take a look at what we got right out of the gate here. We've got the uh, Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Falcons. We'll start with the noon games. I don't think there's any uh, European games. Bears-Falcons. Falcons are three-point favorites. It is in Atlanta, by the way. 
Cleveland against Buffalo, nobody cares. Philly against Indianapolis, that actually is going to be a pretty big game. Um, This should be an absolute rout. Philadelphia gets back on their feet. You know, they kind of got caught off guard by Washington. But you've got kind of two completely opposite teams. And by that, I guess what I mean is that there's a slim chance for an upset here. And that is, Indy is a terrible, terrible football team that just got a new coach, and he's one of those, like, rah-rah coaches, for sure. Very motivational, very, you know, locker room guy type of thing. And they just won last week, surprisingly. And so if he can get these guys to believe right as Philadelphia is at a low, starting to feel, as I said, like, you know, making a, a, a God-man bleed or whatever. They, they realize they're not invulnerable. They can lose. They make mistakes. They start eating each other. You see, again, Eagles fans collapsing in on themselves, deciding whether or not it's Jalen Hurts' fault and everything else. There's a very, very slim chance. And if that happens, oh boy, does that change the narrative on the Packers-Eagles. Not because I necessarily think it, it really, really does, but you catch Philadelphia stumbling right into a, a, a buzzsaw. And, and it, it helps the fact that Philadelphia probably thinks Indy's a bunch of bums. I know the coaches are going to say that that's not the case. Don't fall into that trap, but their human beings are going to make mistakes. I still think Philadelphia wins. I think they come back super pissed off against a team that is overconfident and under, uh, under-talented. But we'll see, because I, we haven't seen. You know, I mean, I, I could probably tell you what would have happened if this was a Tom Brady, New England Patriots, or Tom Brady, uh, Tampa Bay team, or, you know, one of those teams that's had a bunch of success, and you kind of know how they respond to stuff, even if it was the Packers, right? They don't lose two in a row kind of thing, you know, back when we were good at stuff. I don't know how Philadelphia responds to adversity, because we haven't seen it. Right. Kansas City Chiefs probably going to come back and absolutely just eviscerate somebody for for embarrassing them. Uh, After that, you got Jets Patriots. Nobody cares. Rams Saints is really only interesting because our records are similar. So it has playoff and uh, tanking implications. But I couldn't care less about either of those garbage teams. Uh, Detroit Lions and New York Jets that, that I'm in a weird spot now where I'm trying to get excited again about a high pick. But the thought of being below Chicago or Detroit makes me sick. So somehow we need to be like third in the division and still get a top five pick. So if we could do that, that'd be great. But uh, Detroit and the Giants. Giants are only three-point favorites in that game. is a little bit surprising to me. I haven't really been keeping up on the Giants. Maybe they started to nosedive or there's a big injury that I should know of and don't. I don't know. Not going to go game by game and give predictions or anything. I'm just We're just talking here. Carolina, Baltimore, massive 13-point favorites are the Baltimore Ravens against Carolina. That also surprises me a bit. I know Carolina's terrible, but I think I thought Baltimore had been struggling. Maybe it's just their offense. I don't remember. Uh, Washington and Houston, clearly rooting for Houston here um, just because they have the number one overall pick, and I just don't like it, and I want them to start winning football games. Um, Would be kind of good for Washington, too, just because, I mean, not good for them to lose, but you could see it where... How in the world does this team beat the Eagles and then turn around and lose to Houston? Well, it's because it's a divisional game and it's a weird. It's just one of those weird things that happened. It was a complete fluke. Uh, Las Vegas and Denver, that is hilarious. I have no idea uh, what to expect in that game. Uh, I kind of think Denver's going to win because Las Vegas is a complete disaster. By the way, you want to talk about bad coaching? I mean, it, it, it's becoming abundantly clear in Green Bay, but I am shocked at the lack of people who are pointing out the head coach is the number one problem in Las Vegas. You, you mean to tell me the guy that got a head coaching job and was fired in less than a year because he sucked so bad 
who went back to New England and has been begging for a job ever since, and nobody will give it to him, except I think it was the Colts who gave him a job, and then he, he went back on it. And then he really, really wasn't going to get a job anywhere. That guy got a job, and the team sucks? That's weird, man. That's so weird. Um, Dallas and Minnesota. Would very much like Dallas to beat Minnesota, which is one of those things that needs to happen. Dallas is actually 1.5 point favorites, and that shocks me. Minnesota just beat Buffalo, and Dallas just lost to the Green Bay Packers, and it's in Minnesota, and Dallas is the favorite. Man, I gotta jump on. I gotta jump on my bookie over here and just start dropping some cash. I did actually get my money on the Titans game. I thought I was gonna lose back to back. I bet on Dallas because that seems silly that we weren't gonna get stomped, and we ended up winning. Then I'm like, well, I'm gonna lose my Titans bet too, but I didn't. Uh, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Again, it's just kind of a record thing. Pittsburgh is sitting at three and six. Kansas City and the Chargers. That's always a, a fun one to sound real smart if you want to pick a long shot, which would be the LA Chargers. Kansas City's five and a half point favorites, but it's just one of those weird things where it doesn't matter that Kansas City's better. The Chargers probably going to give them a hard time. San Francisco against Arizona. This is the Monday night game. Um, San Francisco, eight-point favorites in this game. They're five and four and four and six. Kind of like I was talking about before, everybody's kind of close. So um, both of those teams are within a game. Right? San Francisco has one more win than us. Uh, Arizona, same amount of wins, one less loss so far. We'll see how this game goes. Anyways, as it stands right now, looking at both sides of things, the Green Bay Packers have the 12th overall pick in the draft if the, if the season ended today randomly with uh, us playing one more game than everybody. As for the playoff odds, the Green Bay Packers are sitting at 5% to make the playoffs, and then it's, let's just say, less than 1% to win the division first round by and win the Super Bowl. Um, the... Uh, Win the division and Super Bowl odds are less than one-tenth of one percent. Now, um, I want to go through and look at a couple different things here. Obviously, the playoffs only matter if you're talking about NFC, but we're also talking about the draft, so I want to look at everything, and, and it's going to be hard to kind of, I don't want to look at every combination of every game. This will take uh, six lifetimes. But why don't we do this? Let's pick all the favorites. Let's just go down the line and pick all the favorites and see where that leaves the Packers, generally speaking. If that happens, you got the Patriots, Bills, Broncos, Bengals, Chiefs, uh, obviously the Titans, Washington, Eagles, uh, the Ravens, the Saints, the Giants, the Falcons, the Cowboys, and the 49ers winning. As a result, the Green Bay Packers remain in second place in the division. They are the 10th seed, which is to say they're not in the playoffs. Need to be seventh or higher. Shockingly... (laughs) shockingly still kind of close to a playoff berth and would put us at, uh, I believe, 13th overall. So, um, and, and again, that, that does make some sense because the Packers just lost and you would expect most of the bad teams to lose and most of the good teams to win, which would push us closer to the playoffs and further away from the top of the draft order. As for the playoff implications, the Green Bay Packers would drop from 5% down to 4% and would be mathematically eliminated from getting a first-round buy. The odds of winning the division would be 0.5% and less than one-tenth of 1% still of the Super Bowl. For fun, I want to ride this out a little bit just to kind of see if, if things go as expected, how does this all end? So going through Week 12, exact same exercise. So Chiefs beat the Rams, Bills beat Detroit, et cetera, et cetera. 
at that point, and that's assuming that, again, all the favorites win, including the Philadelphia Eagles, so the Packers lose this game, the Packers would be sitting at a 1% chance of making the playoffs and um, less than one-tenth of 1% for winning the division and winning the Super Bowl. As for the standings, the Packers are they're dropped down to the 11th seed, so they're barely losing ground there. The Commanders, the Falcons, uh, and the Cardinals would be ahead of us in line to get into the playoffs. The Lions would be 13th and the Bears 16th, which is dead last, not just in the division, but in the NFC. It would be the 16th seed, and that would bring us only up to the 11th overall pick. So, so here's the bottom line. Um, the Packers are in no man's land. And just having a record, a bad record, especially this year, might not mean all that much because, again, there are 11 teams that are 3-6 and six or worse. 14 teams that are 4-6 and six or worse. That's just staggering to me. And so while on one hand we're maybe still rooting for the Packers, I think, maybe kind of, we absolutely need to start rooting for some underdogs. And if you don't want to root for Detroit and Chicago, that's fine. But you root for Houston, the Raiders, Carolina. The Saints, the Jaguars, uh, Denver, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and uh, oh, that's it. Oh, the Rams need these guys to start winning some games. So, what does that look like practically? Well, we got Bears, Falcons. If you don't want to root for the Bears, I completely understand. I'm absolutely not rooting for the Bears, and the Falcons have the same record as us anyway. So, if they go on to win the game, they put that another way. If they lose, they might be ahead of us in the draft order anyway. So, let's just get them all the way out of there. It's a team we got to worry about. Let's give them a, a, a W. Cleveland playing Buffalo. Weather's kind of crazy. Who knows, man? But go Browns. Colts-Eagles doesn't really impact the draft very much. However, they're 4-5-1. and one. An Indianapolis Colts win is going to help us down the line when the Colts go on to lose a bunch more games. Patriots-Jets doesn't matter all that much other than to say that the New England Patriots have five wins, the Jets have six, so I guess go Patriots, again, for the same reason, just so that down the line, if, if we win a couple games or win or lose some, they're, they're not uh, much of a threat. LA and New Orleans, both of them are, are behind us, so that's a win-win because, again, remember, the default is all the teams that are ahead of us in the draft, they all suck and they're all going to lose by default. This is going to force one of them to win. So one of them will have four wins, just like the Packers at four and seven. Uh, usually, we have a pretty late. Detroit and the Giants, I mean, again, if you 100% don't care about anything but the draft, then you're a Lions fan. Otherwise, you know, just hope they suck forever. Baltimore, Carolina, we're rooting for Carolina in that game. And, and understand, for those of you that are like, no, we're still going to, we need to care about the playoffs, this has no bearing on the playoffs whatsoever. It's not like if Carolina wins... It helps us in the playoff or in, in the draft order, but hurts us in the play. It helps us no matter what. It has no bearing on our on our ability to get into the playoffs, which is already very low. So either way, root for Carolina. Washington, Houston. Now, you could go a couple different ways with this. You could just say we're never going to get ahead of Houston, so let's just let them tank and let Washington win just to make sure we don't accidentally leapfrog them. I'm going to be rooting for Houston because I have high hopes. <laughs> If nothing else, I guess it depends what Houston's plans are, but let's just say, for example, the New Orleans Saints end up with a number one overall pick. The New Orleans Saints don't have a number one overall pick because they traded it to Philly. Philly absolutely could make a pick with the number one overall spot, but they're also much more likely to trade away that spot to one lucky fan who might be on the hunt for one special player. Houston, I think, would just take 
if we're going quarterback, then I, I don't think we would get the top guy if Houston was there. Uh, Denver and the Raiders, exact same thing. It's a win-win situation. Same as uh, Rams, Saints, that is. Somebody's got to win, and that's great. Dallas, Minnesota has no real bearing on really anything aside from Dallas and the playoffs. Dallas at 8-3 and three is the number five seed. So if they drop to 8-4, and four, we're, well, let's be honest, we're still four games behind them, which seems impossible. They'd have to lose a ton of games, but we do end up getting that tiebreaker because we beat them. So it's the best I can do for the playoff, folks. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. We're going to be Bengals, uh, excuse me, we're going to be Pittsburgh Steelers fans in that game. Uh, we do have to worry a little bit about the Bengals uh, dropping, but they're at 5-4, and four, so we're still a game behind them. Kansas City and the Chargers, I'm rooting for the Chargers for every reason. The Chargers are 5-4. and four. doesn't hurt our playoffs implications if, uh, if they win. It does help us in the draft. They're already picking after us, but again, I don't want to leapfrog them. But on top of that, I just want the Chiefs to lose because they can stick it. And then finally, you got the 49ers and the Cardinals. Both of them pick after us, but Arizona's at four and six. If they lose and drop and, and end up at four and seven, they probably get a better pick than us. And so, again, for, for a multitude of reasons, uh, the draft as well as wanting San Francisco to lose. And, and, and also, the, uh, the reality is that's going to help us as far as our playoff hunt. Because if San, San Francisco drops to seven and five, depending on who wins the division, if they win the division, it doesn't matter, but still, we can start gaining on some of these NFC West teams a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm at with watching uh, the games this week, and it is kind of fun to be able to to root for some uh, just a bunch of teams. Usually, there's like three or four teams that are ahead of us. You're trying to get into the playoffs. Now it's we got uh, we got 11 teams that are ahead of us in our draft order that we're <laughs> rooting rooting for, I guess. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? Come back and uh, talk about Devonte. Coming back? More on that when we come back. Was that good? Did I do that right? It's a good teaser. Patreon.com forward slash back under store. Daddy! Didn't even say it faster. It came out so stupid. It's fine. I'm going to try it again. Ready? Furground Ranch is the ministry. You can find them at Furground Ranch. That was way slower. Furgroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers. I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So what in the world am I talking about? Apparently, and this comes from NFL Rums, I know, guy's a scammer, fake fraud, whatever. But he says, according to ESPN's Dan Graziano, the Raiders could release Derek Carr after the season to avoid paying the final three years of his contract. Now, to be clear, the way that this is worded 
Sounds like nothing. The Raiders could, not the Raiders are talking about, thinking about, or, uh, you know, planning on. It's just that they could. Now, the reason that this was maybe said is because it's true. <laughs> and I don't remember if I did it on this podcast or After Dark or what, but I looked at it, and it's quite hilarious if you look at Derek Carr's contract because I remember when this came up before. I think it was a different kind of fraudy, fakey uh, person that was kind of reporting that the, the Raiders are planning on moving on from Carr. Didn't talk about it because it was a fake story, whatever. Um, but I said, this is stupid because they just gave him a contract and you generally can't trade guys right after you give somebody a contract because there's way too much dead money. However, Derek Carr's contract at age 32 would have a dead cap hit. His, his, so here's the deal. <laughs> this is so crazy to me. His cap hit right now is $19.3 million with a dead cap hit if they moved on from him of $25 million, which is survivable, but obviously they're not going to do that. The season's half over. Next year, however, his cap goes from $19 million to $35 million. After that, it goes to $44 million. Who in their right mind is going to pay him $44 million? Nobody, right? So this contract seems to have been structured in a way that says... None of this is real. Now, the question is, would they pay 35 Maybe. But here's my question. Why in the world would you give Derek Carr a fake contract extension? Why would you give him a contract that is nothing like what it looks like? This is not usually what you would find in any kind of a contract. And here's the thing. Derek Carr had to have known when he signed this that this was not any kind of a real commitment from the Raiders because that's the bottom line. The Raiders pretended to commit to Derek Carr while at the same time providing no real commitment to Derek Carr. Now, we fully understand that Devontae was very strongly considering going to the Raiders. He left Green Bay in part Partially, he really wanted to be a Raider, but also part of the decision was he knew Rodgers wouldn't be here very much longer anyways. And so the opportunity arose to go play with the Raiders. However, Derek Carr's future with the Raiders was, was always in question. Was it not? We've been talking about this every year. Are they going to get a new quarterback, new quarterback, all the way back to Gruden? The question was, would Gruden get rid of Derek Carr? Which, of course, he didn't, and they continued on. Am I suggesting that maybe this fake Derek Carr contract, which is really nothing more than a one-year contract, was signed to woo uh, Devontae Adams in hopes that maybe if the Derek Carr and Devontae Adams connection works, then hey, we'll, we'll honor the contract and keep it going. But if it doesn't, we're going to send him out of here and we still get to keep Devontae, maybe. But it doesn't matter either way because we're trash and they're going to be blown. I mean, to be let's be completely honest. Let, let's pretend for a second that we're the Raiders. We're already the Packers and we're saying blowing it up, blow it up, right? And what have I said about blowing it up? That means you get rid of the old guys that are really expensive, that are not a part of, you know, two years from now. They need a new, well, I don't know about GM. I don't even know who they're, who is the Raiders GM? This is such a mess over there. I mean, obviously you want to hire, fire your coach. Do you fire your GM who just got his first start there? Was the GM responsible or was the, uh, the owner responsible for going out and getting Devontae? I don't know. But bottom line is, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, are they a part of a, 
a major rebuild. It's not to say that Devontae won't still be there by the time that they hopefully are, are making a run, but you got maybe a year or two left with Devontae at that point. I mean, let's just say it's, it's what, we're going to tear it down in 2023, start rebuilding. So 2020, 2025, Devontae's got a year or two left and he's already 33 years old. And that's assuming we're going to pay him, which of course we're not because his cap hit goes up to $44 million. So this is another fake contract. After 2024, he's gone. This was never going to be an actual thing. Man, this is just getting crazier by the second. All right, so bear with me. Now, the complicated thing here, let's say the Raiders say, all right, that didn't work. That was stupid. We thought we were going to be competitors. We're going to go out and get all these pieces. We're going to get Devontae. We're going to compete with this absolute arms race over here, which turned into a complete joke. Chargers go out and get Bosa, and all, or they go out and get uh, Khalil Mack. Raiders get Devontae. Obviously, the Broncos go get uh, Russell Wilson. And at the end of the day, the three teams that went out and got people are worse than they've ever been. And the Chiefs, who lost Tyreek Hill, remain at the top. Whoever said players not plays was a complete idiot. <laughs> I mean, there's probably some truth to it, but that's, uh, that is not an all-encompassing formula. I can promise you that. All right, so, so far, we're, we're so far into this that uh, the Raiders have realized that this formula doesn't work. We have to blow it up. Maybe they get rid of the coach. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But they decide that it's time to move on from Derek Carr, at which point Devontae Adams is a little bit disillusioned. I'm sure the Raiders would be willing to keep Devontae, but, but it also would make more sense in a rebuild to unload Devontae if you can do so for picks. Now, they're going to have to take a, uh, a bit of a hit. That is, unless they do a post-June 1 trade, which would be a, a handshake thing between the Packers and the Raiders, I guess. I don't know. But, but all right, so, so Derek Carr is gone. Devontae, they go to Devontae and they're like, look, we're, we're blowing this thing up. We really appreciate it. We want to know what your plans are. Um, what do you think? And he says, you know, I, I, I think, um, no, the Raiders are willing to move him for some, some capital. And he says, no, I want to be moved. I wanted to be a Raider, but I also want to play with my buddy who's gone. And also you guys suck real bad. So let's look at a couple things beyond that, why this would make sense moving forward. Now, I, I believe Devontae, didn't Devontae build a house out in, in Vegas or something? Yeah, apparently he bought a beautiful house in, in Las Vegas. So maybe he just wants to stay there and chill at his house. But let's just play with this for a minute, because you can still live there and fly out to Green Bay and have your second residence or whatever, a, a rental out there. I don't know what whatever you do. Rogers has houses all over the place. Devontae's a rich man. He can have a $12 million house in Vegas and then other things. Continuing on, the Raiders and Packers then decide to have some conversations. Some interesting points. Number one, the Packers are going to have a very high pick. Let's say we do get the 11th overall pick. At this point, considering how much money is left in the contract, considering Devontae's age, considering his quote-unquote decline in play, which you could blame on the Raiders, but of course, in, for negotiation's sake, we won't. I think the offer is, we're going to give you our 11th overall pick. You're going to take it, and you're going to like it. And they're going to say, all right, sounds good. You're in a rebuild. Take number 11. Devontae's going to have a lot of power over this trade, just like every player does. They can try to say, no, you're not going there or whatever, and he's just going to torpedo every other deal. That's what we're going to say for the sake of our exercise. So we have, bottom line is we have the draft capital to get him back. There is one slight complication. Despite the fact that the, the contract is not terrible, and it's actually quite cheap at first, because a lot of the guarantees are going to get sucked up by the Raiders, and so we're paying... I believe, just his base salary for the most part, which means in 2023, we would acquire Devontae Adams for $6 million. 
2024, we'd pay him $17 million. The problem is in 2025, it balloons up to $35.6 million. Now, none of this is guaranteed, which means we could cut him free and clear for $0. The interesting thing about that is that Rodgers is going to play a maximum of three years, which would be 2022, 2023, and 2024. This would give us a clean break in 2024 with Rodgers and Devontae. Now, I don't know about the contract situation with Rodgers. That's probably a mess, but it will not be with Devontae. Devontae will be 32 years old. The Packers will probably not be able to trade him, so they'll just have to cut him. He'll be off the books, and he'll be a free agent, able to go wherever he wants. He can retire if he wants, or he can go out and get another paycheck somewhere. But this would be, because I know a lot of people are like, eh, I don't really like that plan. Put yourself in Brian Gutekunst's shoes. You've already pushed in on this plan to have Rodgers for another two to three years. Rodgers is probably not sure what he wants to do. If you're Brian Gutekunst, and you don't want to quit, and you want to keep going, do you think it's possible to go to Rodgers and say, we're having conversations with the Raiders and about possibly bringing Devontae back? Devontae has expressed that he is willing to do this if we can work out a deal. I want to know what you're thinking. We are planning on moving on from Joe Barry. We're going to make some changes over there, but we will bring back Devontae. You'll have Devontae. You'll have Dobbs. You'll have Christian Watson. We're going to keep Bakhtiari. We're going to keep Aaron Jones. Again, remember, Devontae's six million bucks. I'm not talking about bringing him back and paying him $25 million. It's six. If you can't find $6 million for Devontae Adams, you absolutely suck. I know this is way out there in Never Never Land. And again, this is all based on a report that has nothing to do with what's going to happen, but it, but it just points to what can happen. But I do find it interesting because when you ask the question of why did they do that, it starts the chain reaction that brings us here. They gave Carr a one-year contract, and their team has absolutely tanked. Why in the world would they hang on to Carr? So they get rid of Carr. What does that do to Devontae? Does that open the door for the Packers to reach out to the Raiders and say, hey, you want to give him back? You guys seem to be in a bit of a rebuild. I got a pick for you. We'll do a post-June uh, 1 trade. You can wipe $6.6 million off of your books. We'll take on his contract. You get your pick. You get to go out and do your stuff. You get a new coach, GM, whatever you want to do. Uh, honestly, I don't know if I'm even in favor of this, but I, as I'm looking at Brian Gutekunst and his seemingly insane desire to keep this thing alive and going, is it impossible? I don't think it is. And honestly, what have we been saying? What have I been saying? Initially, when we were real bad and Rodgers was a major part of it, I said, all right, let's blow it up, and I think Rodgers needs to go. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks, but it, it's it, you can't justify dragging him along in this garbage fest, especially if he's going to perform at a subpar level. Then the Dallas game happened and it changed everything because then you got to see how good this team could be. You saw how good the run blocking was, the pass blocking, the running ability of this team, which I've never seen as good as, as it has been this year. You see Christian Watson, which is what we've been just dying. It's like the timing is just off. If we could have drafted Christian Watson in 2020 or 2019, holy crap, this team could have had a real legitimate shot or or just had a competent defensive coordinator at any point during these years would also maybe have helped. I know last year wasn't defense. I'm saying both, okay? But the point is, if we're going to go back in, if we're going to say, all right, Rodgers still has it, he's got a busted up thumb, but he's still that dude. Christian Watson is legit. Let's, let's try it again next year. The plan is probably number one, we got to get another weapon. If you can be guaranteed Devontae Adams, take the pick. Now, again, long-term, do we really want that so we can just try again in 2023 and 2024? And if that doesn't work, we blow it all up, including just throwing that pick we had in the garbage when we cut Devontae? 
as we go on to watch, you know, some rookie wide receiver tear it up somewhere that we could have drafted but instead traded for Devontae. It feels like a disaster waiting to happen, but at the same time, all these little pieces kind of come together with this. It's unlikely for a lot of reasons, but it sure is a fun exercise to think about, isn't it? He got to have his fun over there in uh, in Las Vegas, playing for his his team that he grew up watching, loving, whatever. But that dude is ticked off. He He's not having fun. He hates it over there. He friggin' mugged a cameraman. <laughs> uh, almost killed him, uh, according to reports. And think about it. Devontae Adams, with the speed threat of Christian Watson, and Romeo Dobbs coming along, with the dominant running threat that we have. If we could just figure out the defense, holy crap. I know it's pie in the sky, and it would probably end in disaster anyways, but I just, I, I, I can't help but feel like we are so close. We're so close. And all those missing pieces that we had, we now have it. But we lost some other pieces. Right? We never had that, that reliable deep threat that MVS was supposed to be. I feel like that was such a massive issue for our team. And now we have it, but Devontae's gone. And we got the running threat that can set up play action, but Devontae's gone. And Rodgers broke his thumb, and Rodgers is struggling because Devontae's not here. And so everything's just falling apart. And then on top of that, Joe Barry is just taking this defense and throwing it right in the garbage can. The only remaining question that I have in terms of this fun little exercise is what is the plan moving forward? I mean, I know it's a, it's a short, it's literally a two-year window, and that's it. It is a very specific two-year window, but as far as the draft goes, because you can't do much in free agency, what is it we're trying to do? We know we got a new defensive coordinator coming. We lost our first-round pick. As much as I hate to keep going in on defense, I'm kind of looking at this going, look, you got everything you need on offense. You got the quarterback, you have more than enough wide receivers. Maybe we could try a tight end or or whatever, but the offensive line is set. Could they possibly upgrade? Sure, but I mean, are we going to draft a fourth round offensive lineman to compete with all the other fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round linemen that are just sitting there? I hate to do it, but you probably go back to defense again. We might not get Rashawn back to start the season. Don't know how long he's going to be out. We absolutely need safety help. We might even be making some cuts to be able to pay for this whole Devontae, let's keep pushing in thing. And a lot of those cuts are probably going to come on defense. So I don't know if we're going to need corner help, linebacker help. Probably wouldn't hurt to get a defensive tackle. Dean might be out the door. Jaron Reed might be out the door. So again, we're probably looking defense, which is really going to be annoying because it's like some things never change. Devontae comes back and it's like, let's just go back and do defense. It's like, are, are we sure we're doing the right thing here? We just needed Christian Watson. We're sure about that. But I think the plan, honestly, if you do that, yeah, we're going to get a new defensive coordinator and we're really going to try to get a really, really, really good defense and just dominate everybody. But let's be completely honest. If, if Devontae comes back, we're planning on winning by scoring 40 points a game. That's the plan. And hopefully the defense can, can back us up if we ever don't quite get to 40. Anyways, kind of a short sewed today. I uh, didn't expect it to be, but that's what it is. But I am going to leave it at that. That's all I had planned. Um, we will see what happens with the games. Uh, we might just start doing our breakdowns or whatever, and I'll, I'll casually mention results or whatever as we go along. But anyways, that's it. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.